Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. We're coming to you all the way from bright, sunny, no dismally cold, now raining, oh shit, no, it's snowing, Manchester. Uh, my name is Dan, and with me, as always, in much more temperate and beautiful Bristol, is my dear friend Sarah. How are you, Sarah? <laughs> I'm good. It's been a massive, 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 massive week in women's cycling, hasn't it? I know! Like, what the hell's wrong with you bastards? I go on holiday and suddenly everything happens at once. This is a nightmare. It's been, like, there's so much to talk about and there's so much to miss. Now, dear listener, we are not going to only talk about British cycling. We're going to touch on it. We're going to talk about it a bit, but I <laughs> we, promise you... We're going to talk about every cycling nation in in the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah someone someone on twitter i put you may have heard that there's been a bit of drama <laughs> just a little bit of drama of british cycling this week and i pulled together a list of british cycling's greatest hits with women which we'll talk about later and someone took me to task because i was being unfair because i wasn't mentioning all the problems there are with sexism everywhere else in the world and I said to him, does this mean if I'm going to talk about national championships in Britain, I should always talk, also talk about national championships everywhere else in the world? And he said, yes, <laughs> yes, you do. You call yourself a UCI blog. <laughs> and so you should cover all the countries. Oh. <laughs> Which is, it's interesting to me that UCI is the bit that stuck when we literally, like, that's three letters, and unofficial, unsanctioned, and women's are, are much larger and much more prominent words in that title. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a fun week. Um, we'll talk about that, but there's so much more. There's some really good news about cycling marketing. There's the interesting thing about Famke van der There's tons, tons of racing. And there's various other things that we want to talk about too. We've got mountain bike racing. We've got road racing. We've got junior racing. It's all good. Uh, where do you want to start, Dan? Oh, look. Hey, look. Let's just knock the top off the the um, controversy in the room. Hey, let's let's um, let's dive right into why saying it's because he's Australian doesn't make it okay for Shane Sutton to be a dickhead. <laughs> that's 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 an interesting. <laughs> Okay, so if you don't know about the British cycling drama, it started this week, and this is an ironic start, because Shane Sutton, the performance director of British Cycling, went to the Telegraph and talked to the Telegraph about why they were sacking Jessica Varnish. Um, Jess Varnish is a young British sprinter. She's 25 years old. And you probably might remember that at the Track World Championships back in, oh, I want to say February, March, uh, Britain didn't qualify for the team sprint for the Olympics. Basically, they'd left it all to the last minute because, um, and they didn't, and they were like, although we're super fast and very good, France got in ahead of us because there's only, I think, five European teams allowed to race in the team sprint. Right. Um, so British, so Sutton like was basically saying that you know she's washed up and passed it and that kind of thing. Well, at the ripe old age of what, twenty five? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Jess Varnish came back and said, yeah. He told me to go off and have a baby. Ah. Um, he told me, you know, and he talked, she talked about it being really difficult, that it was a hard uh, problem for British cycling. Shane Sutton then went to the press back and said, oh, you know, no, she's just bitter. Um, and a whole raft of women riders came out in support. So Nicole Cook and Victoria Pendleton were the first two who kind of were. I mean, this is the interesting thing about this. Literally, I mean, the, the thing about he told me to go and have a baby is new, but everything else has been said a hundred times. This isn't I, it was it was interesting how many people were surprised that it was new. Exactly. One of the interesting things to me is that anyone thought this was news. I mean, it's like this is what British cycling has been like for years. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And so then after a load of riders came out, the thing that was 
going to kind of be the nail in the coffin really was uh, Darren Kenny who's a superb paracycling multiple multiple world champion Paralympian came and brought out some actually it's not just about women it's also about paracyclists these are the, these are some slur words he'd call us all the time this is how he treated us we were not treated as elite athletes we were treated like nuisance and discriminating language at that point Sutton resigned and then um, the next sorry Sutton was suspended and the next day he resigned let's just put a, a marker there because more things have happened but we'll come back to that but there's some things we want to talk about because at this point there was this really interesting narrative that was focusing on the words that Sutton was using the talking about her ass calling women sheilas saying go off and you know calling um, using using slurs to talk about uh, paracyclists and it was quite interesting because there was a kind of narrative that said oh yeah he's um he uses robust i, I saw someone use it as call it robust and abrasive language with a kind of implication that you know oh that's there's two implications one is that's the way he's always been and another implication was that if he just used gentle language he could go away but the other implication which i wanted to talk to you about daniel was that's just the way he is he's just an Aussie and Aussies are like that. Yeah. Anyone who says that can get fucked. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, like this is the thing. It, like I get it. Australians, we do have a reputation of being plain spoken and blunt and yes, swearing. We're pretty good at those things. But even so, one of the things that I think people are glossing over here or, or perhaps, you know, that's the generous way to view it. Maybe they're deliberately, you know, um, misreading or ignoring it is that language doesn't exist in isolation. It exists in the context of power relationships and di dynamics and in a professional setting, you know, like this morning I was telling you before we started recording, I sent a message to a couple of mates that who had done something that caught me off guard and I'd just gone, you fucking fucks. Like, yeah, you can talk to your mates like that. Now I actually happen to work with two of the guys on that message. I don't talk to them like that when we're talking at work and about work because that's not how you do it. That's not how you behave in a professional setting, um, you know. And and don't get me wrong, I'm pretty good at workplace swearing too. But the the point is, you don't run people down. You don't um, insult, you know, their physical appearance or or things like that. Like, like there, there's just a whole raft of things that you don't do. And even in the context of elite cycling, where perhaps, and this is a huge perhaps, you you need to have a discussion about power-to-weight ratios or something like that. Like, that's a very, very delicate conversation. You don't just brazenly go through it and go, oh, yeah, you've got a fat ass or, or whatever. Like, you, you just don't. And so, you know, I really want to draw a really big line in the sand there and say no there's a huge difference between being a blunt plain spoken you know robust and abrasive aussie and being a dick and there is no question that after months and years and and multiple men and women reporting incidents of this nature that shane sutton's a dick and an entitled dick who thinks because he's in charge or was in charge of a cycling program, he didn't have to answer for his behaviour. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. You know, and, and that's really what it boils down to. 
just because you know this is like someone saying oh you know he stole money from the till for years so why should we fire him now that he's been caught um you what you know just because it's bad behavior over a long period of time doesn't suddenly excuse it like fuck off you know i i just have zero time for anyone who wants to play the Aussie excuse or he's just like that excuse or you know like the other thing that really shits me about it is that it's literally that thing of making excuses for the bad behavior of men is literally the patriarchy like literally <laughs> like like no it's bad behavior he has to own that he has to deal with the consequences of it and you know i mean we're going to talk a little later on about femka um and and the uci's decision for the mechanical um you know motorized bike ban um you know it's it's an incredibly unfortunate and sad story but there's a young woman who has to wear the consequences of something you know it's no different for him i mean for fuck's sake i'd argue that he's the or was the head of an elite athlete program he should be expected to attain higher standards you know um it's just inexcusable when you read the comments that were made to people like it's stuff that if someone spoke to someone else in my workplace i would call them out for it i would and i wouldn't care who it was like like this is the thing i've told national executives previously that they're being sexist or whatever like i don't understand why anyone thinks we would excuse it just because he happens to run an elite athlete program or happens to be aussie i think i think the interesting thing about it is that the focus on this word or that word and this that kind of thing is is missing the point that the the thing about British cycling one of the things people say is oh well when it's working it can be when you're going well it can be really good and his way can really work for you and and there's been a lot of women riders who's come out like Joe Rousel like um, Becky James who've come out and said I don't and Laura Trot I don't have problems with him I I don't have any problems with this I've had a fine experience with British cycling they've been really good to me. But I think the thing is, is that when you have something where people say when it works, it, it's fine. Or when it's work, you don't it works, you don't mind. But when it's going badly, it, it can really crush you. I think that's the thing that's really interesting, because is it Bridie was type Bob Bridie O'Donnell was was tweeting about this. Even if is it worth getting getting gold medals if you're treating people like this? And if you're making people feel terrible and making people leave the sport. And I mean, my issues with British cycling are specifically around things like Jess Varnish, where she's being written off. And once a rider's written off by British Cycling, they'll never let you back in the club. Never, 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 never. And we saw this with, like, for example, Danny King, who was kicked off the track programme. And because she was kicked yep. off the track programme, she couldn't race road worlds, even though it was a great course for her. She'd been going really well. She's proved her worth as a domestique. And she was in Richmond anyway with her trade team. Mm. So anyway, so I made a big collection of the greatest hits. Because the other thing is... Some people are saying that Shane Sutton going is bad for our Olympic chances and oh my God, you know, and kind of blaming the media. And when it's the Daily Mail doing a lot of the reporting, it's quite easy to be paranoid. Um, I was I was I was reassured by my friend M, who's who would not be a Daily Mail support Daily Mail fan saying, no, 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 the sports journalists are different to the general Daily Mail hate machine. Um, they're very good. They've got a good reputation. This is probably that they've just seen this story. I mean, the reason that people are talking to paracyclists, etc., is because it's Olympic year, A. Yeah. And, but B, it's also, this is stuff that goes back years. There's nothing new about what's been said about British cycling. And it's, and, it, and, and if, 
And the reason that it's going to, you know, 98 days to Rio, the reason it's going to mess up our chances for Rio is because British Cycling allowed it to happen. They allowed it to carry on. So it, and it's just exploded. And it's not just this. Um, so it's turned into, for example, Emma Pooley's been talking about, again, which she has done for years, about the inherent issue with a national government body fund, publicly funded, uh, supporting, you know, setting up a men's team and not a women's team. Yeah. Then there's been separately issues about um british cycling equipment and gear and bikes being sold through a second hand shop where which is a the guys are really big friends of shane sutton let him live rent free above the shop and now jan van eyden one of the other co co coaches lives for free above the shop and we've just heard about a british rider simon yates having a doping violation which his team orica is saying because the doctor didn't fill in the tue properly for his asthma inhaler but there's like there's this tons of stuff. And what I want to say is that we're going to have more to come, because remember, a lot of riders, current riders who, who aren't speaking out, some people have great experiences. But on the one hand, people don't want to speak out because they're scared of not getting selected for Rio. Yeah. And on the other hand, British Cycling has non I've heard has non-disclosure agreements tied into their contracts. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, that's I mean, apparently it's common for elite, elite athletes. Apparently, this is completely normal. It's not like abnormal. Right. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's but, pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and and it certainly puts you in a in a you know different category in terms of you know being a whistleblower versus someone you know just reporting on on something that may be subject to an agreement like that. Yeah. So um, let's just wrap this bit up. I just want to give you my Sutton joke. Okay. Okay. This is um, Fergal Mackay um, and I had this exchange on Twitter where Fergal was saying that he was a bit surprised because when, when uh, Vicky Pendleton and Nicole Cook had articles about, um, about how women are treated at British Cycling, Sutton said he was shocked and surprised at them, at Vicky, because he'd held her in his arms so many times and he'd been to her house decorating her, her living room at three in the morning which is weird yeah um but he was and fergal said i'm a bit surprised he's surprised because didn't he read their books and i said yeah i'm a bit surprised he's surprised because he also talked to the press about about those about those about their books so <laughs> fergal said oh <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's true then that doping products really do fuck your memory <laughs> And so this is why. So when Shane Sutton is saying, "I can't remember," I've now I can't remember ever saying those words. I can't remember. Maybe it's true. <laughs> or or maybe maybe it's also just that he says that sort of shit so often it all blurs together. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it then got a bit dramary because when Emma Pooley, after Emma Pooley said those, um, said uh, Emma Pooley had her bit in the post um, about wanting about women's about the women's, which she said a hundred times, and it's it's really you know it's not a surprise, and she says it really well, and she makes a really good point. Um, but there was this response from British national champion Peter Kenyuk. Well. Peter Kenyuk tweeted two tweets in quick succession. Peter Kenyuk apparently does this a lot. Emma Pooley, why would Sky put money into the women's Giro that absolutely no one in the UK has absolutely no idea about? Second tweet. Stop being so self-centred and get over it. <laughs> Irony much? <laughs> he deleted it almost immediately, but the thing that he didn't realise is that Twitter is forever. It got screenshotted. Uh, my favourite my favorite tweet was from Stefan Wyman, who was like, yeah, there's, there's three stages to a tweet. You think it, you write it, you send it. Oh, you know, th there's three chances to stop it, but once you've tweeted it, own it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, he then put out a non-apology, which I really want to contrast to 17-year-old Isla Rush, a young British cyclist for Matrix, wrote a really awesome blog about... Oh, yeah. Um, it's like about just because... A, just because you don't know, don't like it doesn't mean that other people don't like it. Mm. And B, riders, we look up to riders. This is... it's You know, they need to, they need to have some responsibility for what they say about their colleagues and their teammates. And, and oh God, you're like sitting there looking at his terrible tweets. And especially when you compare it to his punctuation and grammar for Wimps <laughs> um, non-apology. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, 17-year-old girl or a prof- or the British national champion. Yeah, yeah. Which, which one's more mature? <laughs> well, and then also from a cycling, you know, from a sponsorship point of view, which one would I rather have represent my brand? Well, you know, of, yeah, there's been a lot of people talking about, oh, Emma Pooley's wrong. Why would why would British Cycling put their money into a women's team? Blah, blah, blah. They need they Sorry, Sky. They need a return on investment. And it's fascinating because all these people are talking as if the magic bus when Team Sky came up was actually more than the budget of cost more than the budget of the top team. Yeah. In women's cycling. Yeah. Like we're literally talking. We're talking less. Less less than ten percent of their. I mean, we're talking a tiny fraction of their of the of the sky of the sky budget. Yeah. I mean, like, they're not they're not like. So all these people going, oh, and you're like, in terms of a return on investment, yeah, people, yeah, the average person in Britain doesn't know about the women's Giro. But if you didn't know about the women's Giro, you wouldn't know about the men's Giro. Yeah. You know what I mean? The Giro is the Giro. The Giro is the Giro. Uh, people <sighs> annoying. Yeah. But that was only part of the news this week. I know, I know. Although it is that part that, you know, gets all your non-cycling friends turning to you and going, um, what's this about? So, yeah, oh, thanks thanks for that, Sutto, you dick. Yeah. <laughs> He's Australian. It's, it's, that's just the way they are. Um, <laughs> did you see the stuff about, uh, speaking of dicks and other bodily parts of the anatomy, I hope you like my segue. I, I don't so far. <laughs> Did you see what ASOS have done? Oh, um, well, yeah, I did. I'd seen this coming for a couple of weeks, but this was the week where I actually saw um, a bit more background to the story in terms of they've got, like, a new owner or something. Yeah, it got bought out last year by this guy from Phil Duff, and there was a little bit of drama because the UCI part, sorry, the USA Cycling partnered with ASOS, and I don't know if you know, if people are unused to ASOS, they're very, very expensive brands, but the way they model women's clothing is they have the ASOS girl basically cupping her breasts and giving come hither looks in the camera as the way to show off their yeah, shorts. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, this is topless. Like, topless topless women in bib shorts or long shorts cupping her breasts and being in various weird poses with kind of softcore face. And the worst, the, the egregious one was when they had a bike jersey which they advertised in the cycling magazines by a woman on her knees wearing... PV, like PVC spray-on pants, stilettos, sunglasses, wind tunnel hair, I'm going to fuck you mouth, and the cycling jersey, and that was how they wanted to sell a cycling jersey yes. to women. Yes, So, short to, you know, suffice it to say that, that ASOS has long been on our shit list. Uh, yeah, I've blacklisted yeah. them. People were going, but hadn't you noticed? Hadn't you noticed that they changed? It's like, how would I have noticed? They've been on my yeah, shit list. Exactly. <laughs> no. And, and when I put this out, loads of people are like, oh my God, does this mean I've got to reconsider them? I'm going to have to change my headspace. So, Phil Duff, this is my favourite quote. Um, yes, I am painfully aware of how ASOS has portrayed women in the past. 
not only do I know that from the marketplace, but in my first few weeks of getting involved with ASOS, I'd come home every night. My wife would say, when the hell are you getting the naked women off the website? <laughs> <laughs> So he's saying, so there are some things that are changing, particularly with respect to customer facing side of this company. One of which is that everyone here is now fully on board and that we're now going to portray women in the same way as we portray men as athletes. Yes, which is excellent and welcome and and good news. And one of the things I like about it is that, um, you know, even though it wasn't Duff himself, like as, as we said, you know, he's new to the company, like bought into it last year or whatever. He's not shying away from owning the history, acknowledging that it's wrong, and then just getting on with changing it um, and and making that public. Like, and it's I think those two things are really important because one, it addresses the past, but two, it also ensures that he's saying I'm willing to be held accountable for where we go from here. Yeah, I I, I mean I did have someone say. I can't believe you're giving so much credit to a company that's basically been so shit for years and now they're getting a load of free publicity for, for, for being, you know, for doing whatever, you know, doing what good companies do. Because, you know, if you look at a company like um, Velocio CC or Vulpine, yeah. for example, yeah. they've been doing, you know, they've been, they've been committed to doing really good marketing right from the start, you know, and, and, and I take that on board, but it was such an awful Oh, it was everything about it's a big change. Yeah, it was terrible. This is like this is like us talking, you know, after Shane Sutton's finished sensitivity training. (laughs) (laughs) What's Australian sensitivity training like, Dan? Tell me about your fucking feelings, mate. we can do that because he is Aussie um (laughs) I yeah I I think it's fine I think it's I think it's a really good news and and there's been a real there's been such a wave of really good advertising and marketing featuring women yeah um and, and across the board doing doing a whole load of things that we've talked about a lot for example I've talked about how a lot of cycling marketing is very white and that's problematic to me I've yeah. talked about you know and, and so this so I put I pulled together a little post of of media that I've seen just this year um mostly videos that are actually really awesome and amazing pieces of marketing and you know if and I know that they're trying to sell me things and I know that they're not but 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 equally just because they're still trying to sell you things doesn't mean that they're not important in the in how cycling is perceived these are our billboards absolutely and to the and to the person who you know and I think it was a very fair question asked you about you know aren't we just giving them credit for doing you know doing what they should have been doing all along well yes that's true to a certain point but there is also a principle of positive reinforcement you know um, that it is actually worthwhile to acknowledge the change because the change is what's important and to say yeah okay that's cool it's making me rethink your brand you know without that response then the message they're getting is oh no one cares and you know that's absolutely not what i want to see happen you know i want i want us to actually go oh shit look at how many people are, are happy that we've done this we should have done this ages ago yeah yeah exactly and i think the other thing about it is is he's positioned it very much as a marketplace decision you know, yeah. like in this world where people go, oh, social justice warrior um, and all that kind of stuff, I will always own the label social justice warrior of, as, as, as do, you know, 
just yeah. because, of course, I want to be a warrior for social justice. Who wouldn't? It um, sounds cool. I, doesn't it, though? Isn't it? the? It's the funniest slur in the world. Like, oh, you're just a social justice warrior. Why, thank you. Yes, I am. It's like when I was uh, when I was 11, there was a kid at school that used to try and tease me by calling me righteous because my surname's <laughs> right. And I looked, I, I was just always looking at him and go, like, do you, mate, you need to read the dictionary and look up what that word means. Is this, like, is this, in, your, is this in your Christian school? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, mate, honestly, like, check the dictionary. Like, like, just, yeah, it's not what you think. I don't know what you think, but it's definitely not that. <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he was going for self-righteous. It, maybe, but, you know, it wouldn't have been that hard to throw the word self in front if that's what he was going yeah. for. And also, Brilliant. he still would have been wrong. So Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is the important thing. Um, yeah, I, I think I think the fact that this is being presented as a marketing view, and I mean, I was wondering, I did have a little bit of a wonder why I wrote about the ASOS, about ASOS. I mean, a lot of people wrote about ASOS um, over the years, and I suddenly noticed this weird little uptick in... Because it's always been one of the most pop, you know, most visited posts on our blog. Yeah. There was this weird little uptick of stats. Quite, you know, in a, in the kind of last six months, there'd be like little flurries of stats. Like I'd never work out where it was coming from. <laughs> and I'm not saying that the Assos execs were looking at this and this made the decision, but I'm pretty sure they were looking at things like me, things like other bloggers, and seeing what was out there. So it's not that oh, it was because of me. Absolutely not that at all. But they were looking at no, what but, was written. No, but exactly paying attention to what the audience is saying. You know, it's, yeah. It's part of research, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And I think, and and the message, the other takeaway I want to say is that when we, there's been tons of really awful, you know, we talked about Sockgate, and there's this awful I hate Jeffsy campaign, which is trying to sell bikes by telling you how much your girlfriend will hate it. Yeah. You know, kind of, my oh, I've, I don't need my girlfriend anymore because now I've got this new bike. There's all these really terrible, terrible marketing out there and and sometimes things happen very quickly so the 661 knee pad which you know naked yes show selling bike selling selling knee pads Mm. um that got taken down straight away and sometimes things don't change and and it's again it ties back to the british cycling that sometimes things don't change and the media don't pay any attention and you feel like you're banging your head against the brick wall and you feel like why why do i do this why do i nothing's going to ever change and then and then things do change you know, yeah, and and writing about things and tweeting about things and blogging about thing the, about things, all of that, all of that matters. And I forget this, but but it's like it's the cumulative effect. It's like your words. No one may ever read your words. You know, your words might not be the thing where you can point to and go because they because I wrote this, they did that. But it does make a change, and and we social media types, um, people who are on Twitter, people who have you know a voice if we use our voice eventually things will change absolutely that's my that's my that's my happy thought for the day (laughs) yeah well i mean that's the whole point of those platforms so absolutely yeah yeah um uh femka should we talk femka sure let's talk femka there's been consequences yeah do you want to do the background of femka all right well so for those who aren't familiar um femka was femka vandendrisha yes vandendrisha um was basically the first rider to have been caught with um, a motorized bike. Um, Now, it was controversial-ish in the sense that, obviously, you know, first uh, a lot of attention to it. But it was interesting also in that the bike that was um, she was busted for was a bike she wasn't using at the competition that she was at. Uh, uh, that she hadn't used yet. Yeah, hadn't because used in cyclo- yet. This, this was at Cyclocross Under 23 World Champs. And in Cyclocross, if you're not used, new to the sport, 
you have a number of different bikes that you change that you swap in and out throughout the race so if it gets too muddy for example or if this one's set up with better tires or if, if you've if you've completely just destroyed your check destroyed your chain yeah you, you you swap in and out once a lap there's a space to swap to swap bikes. so sorry, yeah, I'm just, so, sorry no, no that's right um i mean i think it's pretty well established that you're the the one who understands cyclocross better of the two of us so <laughs> yeah, um, at all the the yeah so it was a bike she hadn't used yet and and so there was a whole bunch of, of questions around it um as people learn more about her family history in particular you know it, it became for me a bit of a um tragedy is probably overstating it but a sad story in the sense of you know this is a young woman who uh, 19 years old 19 years old is clearly under the influence of possibly not the best um advisors um and and stuff so there's a lot to be sad about in relation to it but anyway the the uci's disciplinary commission um has just announced the decision this week in the case as to what the penalty would be when it all happened people were you know clamoring for things like lifetime bans and and um there was talk of the bike manufacturer suing her and stuff like that so it was all it was all pretty insane um but what they've done is a six-year ban, a twenty thousand euro fine, and um, and she's going to pay costs. Sorry, I'm just listening to what's going on in your background. What's that? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. There's something on the street which is going pretty wild. Um, which is really, I, I assume it's just a normal Mancunian thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's probably election electioneering, probably. Um. Oh. <laughs> Awesome. Well, they're doing a good job because, you know, like all, all British houses, it's nice and double glazed, so good effort to make it through. Uh -uh. And is that La Kakuracha? Wow. Wow. Yes. So I guess British politicians have a lot to learn as well as um as well as something. It could be nice. It could be. It could. It could. It could not be politicians. <laughs> I mean, I'm I, I'm not from Manchester. I'm just guessing that that that's what it's like to be. Um. Yeah. So fan. So so yeah. So that it's twenty twenty thousand euro fine. She's had um. She's got a six yep. year ban. Six year ban, and they've stripped all her results from the start of last year's cross season. Now. This is a really interesting thing because normally when the, one of the things about the bands and Inner Ring has a really great piece on this um, about if about Femke, oftentimes when it's a rider who's not got lots of money, not got lots of lawyers, not got a big team, they get a lesser, they get a harder ban than, than for example, Alberto yeah, Contador. Yeah, a, a well-connected rider. Um... And... And this is interesting because it's setting a precedent. But Femke didn't. Femke's Femke and her family have said. I mean, you might remember the cockatoo <laughs> stealing video, where her father yes. was stealing cockatoos, um, and her brothers on an EPO ban and all this kind of stuff. Um, so Femke didn't show up to Aigle. She said she couldn't afford to contest it, so she just take. She basically said she's retired. But the interesting thing is the stripping back results from January, from October. Yeah, yeah. Because as far as I know, there's no evidence that she used her... Now, there's a report coming out from UCI in a couple of weeks' time, which might actually shed some light on this. This is so that she doesn't get European under-23, um, you know, her under-23 results. And it's it's... It's like, yeah, it's and and there was question, and there's been people pointing to her racing at the Koppenberg Cross as evident that as evidence in inverted commas of using the motorized bike, but but there's no evidence. So it's 
is this precedential? You know, you know, like when someone's caught for doping, even if they've got the most ridiculous looking results, they still get caught from the moment of their bad of their bad ban. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. Of the test that, um, yeah. that, you know, they got sprung on. It's from then. And, yeah. And everyone's saying, well, the, surely the court for arbitration in sport would not fly with stripping back bans, stripping back results from a time that you didn't have uh, that you didn't. Yeah, have. there's there's no clear evidence that the you know the cheating was taking place. Yeah. And this is this is where Femka being a very nice she's a 19 year old girl she's 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 you know basically unemployed now she's she's not got many resources so she doesn't have a lawyer to fight that and I don't think she has a lawyer to go to CAS. Mm. So yeah so it's fascinating. The other thing is is that there's no um there's no punishment for anyone else. Yeah. Now the UCI rules about mechanical bikes are that if you're found with a mechanical bike you don't have to have used it. You just have to have it. Uh, you just have to be found with it, just like with with drugs product, doping products. They don't have to prove if you get caught in an out of competition test. They don't have to prove. You know, they don't have to prove that you used it in competition. Um, but they originally said that the team would get fined up to one million euros. But because cyclocross is weird, uh, you know, your trade team, you're a trade team, and then she was at national, so she was in the Belgium national team. But a lot of cyclocross teams, most cyclocross teams, run a run where the rider, their bike is all sorted out by their own mechanic, and they're looked after by their own people. Yep, yep. So it's not a team set up as we know it. It's just like that. This is where the riders prepare together, for example. Right. This is where they. So in with the men, for example, every rider will have their own bus. In the team and in the, in, the, in the team, they won't even be in the same buses. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm disappointed that they haven't. That that it feels like only Femke herself is being penalised here. Well, particularly, I mean, again, similar to you know, um, doping, where they go after Ferrari or, or you know the doctors and and other people who are involved in you know transporting drugs over national borders and stuff like that, like. Um, I, I imagine, and I have to confess, I'm not an expert, but I imagine an, uh, a 19-year-old is probably not going to be able to successfully fit a mechanical engine to their bike without some assistance slash guidance. Well, they're saying that it was a Bluetooth connector hidden underneath her bar tape, for example. I mean, the bar tape is, is put on and taken off every every bike, every every race. You know, this isn't something... Yeah. It's just not, and, and I know cyclocross, and while there are some riders who are very mechanically minded, this is not how it works. You know, cyclocross, you have your mechanic doing everything for your bike, the bikes are taken to the pits, you don't, you don't do any, you know, you don't do anything but ride. Yeah. You, you, when you go to a cyclocross race and seeing riders preparing, you don't see riders dealing with their own bikes. I mean, unless they're really, they're really, really, really like, you know, I'm a junior, I'm a brand new rider. Yeah. But even because, you know, and people, and this is because of the pits. So when I interviewed, for example, Lisa Jacobs, the Australian rider, she was talking about a young Aussie t- under 23-year-old dude coming over and going, oh, I don't need a pit crew. She said, no, you really need a pit crew because you need an extra bike and you need, if something goes, you need to have your bike handed to you, you need your other bike fixed because you need a pit crew. Yes. So she got, you know, so she got friends of people that she knew from their club to be his pit crew. So it's not, this isn't, it's a bit like saying that a road rider could have done it by themselves, yeah. you know, this just it's just not it's just not feasible so i say that if the standard of evidence is femka didn't use the bike femka didn't even finish the race because she had a mechanical issue anyway or maybe she spotted that this was going on and and just broke down 
if you can say that Femke gets the fine, you can equally say that her pit crew gets the fine. I mean, it's just anyway. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit angry about it. Um, but you know, it's as you said, it it's a much more. I mean, I know that a twenty thousand euro fine is is pretty much unattainable when you're an un, un, unemployed nineteen year old. But when people were talking about life bans and yeah. and and million euro fines, I think it's a reasonable and proportional thing. Apart from the interesting question about why they've stripped back till August, yeah. October, will more things come out? And why, and it only being on her. Ah. Exactly, exactly. Um, mm. There was racing as well. <laughs> there was racing. Um, before we get to that, I thought we might just take a quick moment, though, and talk a little bit about um, just speaking of, of young people who um, are possibly going to need to find ways to raise some money. Go on. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that probably makes it sound a little bit light. Um, we've seen a couple of interesting um, crowdfunding things come out this week. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. There's the, the first one's really bad. Um, it's American cyclist Lauren de Crescenzo was in. She's a domestic rider. She rides for DNA Dallas, and she was in a really bad crash at the start of April, and she's had major brain injuries, and her friends and family have pulled together a fundraiser to try and raise some cash to help pay her medical bills because she does have some insurance, but this is America. And mm. um, uh, from from the socialist world of the National Health Service in Europe and things like that, it's, you know, it, it's, well, it's, it's pretty, un, well, it's, it's unthinkable because, you know, in England... If... Also, every other, um, you know, progressive country in the world i mean america is literally the only oecd country that doesn't have universal health care america's the only, there's only one other country that doesn't have any paid maternity leave statutory paid maternity leave and that's papua new, new guinea wow well there you go no they've um so yeah i mean awful it's terrible and um lauren she's apparently responding to music and she can move her fingers and stuff but it, it she's great but it, yeah i mean recovering from a traumatic brain injury is never easy um when it's been this serious it's certainly a long road back and unfortunately um in a in a situation where it's incredibly expensive on top of that so yeah. so if you've got a couple of quid you can chuck to her we've got the link to her fundraiser on pro womenscycling.com um yeah yeah, because that's, that's definitely something that, uh, yeah. I, I feel uncomfortable putting these two together, but I feel like we have to segue them in because that's not the only American um, fundraiser. Yeah, well, it, it's kind of one of those unfortunate timing things in a, in a little bit, you know, in the sense that, you know, one's really serious and, and certainly deals directly with a writer's health. Um, but the other one makes me a little uncomfortable, not just because of the comparison, just because of what it is. But um, so, yeah, there, there's another crowdfunding campaign has come out to support the making of a film about Kristen Armstrong and her bid to um, attend the Olympics in Rio and win the gold medal. And yeah. I find this one. I find. I've. I've. I've got to say. I. I watched the trailer and I read the words and I was like, "Oh my god! Does she know that this has happened? Does she know that it's been done?" Yeah. And then I saw that she's a producer on the on the on the on the. Yep. Yep. Uh, 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 let me read you some of the things that it says about it. So this is the way that they introduce it. U.S. and and basically, it's there's lots of caps here. USA Olympian Kristen Armstrong is going for her third gold medal at 43 using data, not drugs. 
Facing antagonistic competitors and uncertain support from the IOC, Kristen is busting down age barriers and gender bias to make Olympic history. I, I completely... The IOC bit mystifies me. What are the IOC supposed to do to support one athlete? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well, so this is it. Blah, 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 blah. Because I can... With the film name, so you have to excuse my height. My I can't do an American accent, but you know, just imagine where the caps are. Reveals the hidden age and gender bias perpetrated by the International Olympic Committee and younger and younger competitors, endangering Kristen's placing on the U.S. team. Though she is first in U.S. rankings, we need plane tickets and hard costs, films, editing, etc., to follow this champion cyclist to U.S. nationals and on to Rio gold. Um, what else does she say? It's, it's like it's it's just it's baffling to me. It's it's baffling to me that she's that that it's like to talk about antagonistic competitors. Where and in this context from the video, she's talking about uh, USA psych. You know the other riders who want to race in race in the Rio Olympics from USA. Well, exactly. It's like it's like. Do you understand what competitors are? <laughs> like they're not there to hold your hand and slingshot you. <laughs> Like they're trying to win in yeah, the same also spot. All the stuff about saying data, <laughs> not drugs. There's like a really strong implication. So I mean, I don't think it's fair to say that other American riders are are sexist and ageist because they want to go to Rio. You know, I don't think that's right. And I don't think yeah. and the issue. And the Kristen Armstrong has been preparing for Rio. I mean, she hasn't been racing in Europe. She didn't ride the UCI Joe Martin stage race. She rode the Redland Classics, which isn't UCI. So she's not contributing to getting the USA qualification points. And, you know, ultimately she wants to go to ride the ITT, but the ITT rider has to be a member of the road race squad as well. So, you know, I mean, USA cycling qualification is always a nightmare. She may have a really good base and, and basically they, they, it always ends up with lawyers. It always ends up with bitterness and stuff. But I don't think making a film like this adds to that. No, and and that's the thing. I I don't I can't see how this film does anything. Like the best possible case for it is that she goes to Rio and wins the gold, which, as anyone will tell you, is like like it's a fight the odds job for everyone. Mm. Like like it doesn't matter who you are. That is not a given. And when you look, particularly in the ITT, at who she's likely to be racing against, it is a long way from a, a certainty. And and that's the best case. If she doesn't win the gold and goes to Rio, then the film becomes a disappointment. If she doesn't go to Rio, then the film doesn't even have a story to tell. Like, Well, I guess it has a story about how everyone's a bastard and it's all terrible. Oh, yeah, which which I'm sure is uh, something that the the backers of, of the crowdfunding campaign will love to sit down with their families and watch. I mean, I, it just it mystifies me because this is like one million times not the crowdfunding campaign I would do. No, but mind you, your mileage may vary, so if you want to support her, then send <laughs> a couple of quid. Well, and if, if if it makes sense to you in a way that it doesn't make sense to us, please do tell us because, you know, I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious as to, to why that would be a compelling thing. I, yeah. I, yeah. It's, anyway. I, speaking of American racing, as I said, they had the Joe Martin stage race last week, which is a UCI race. 
Um, the prologue was won by Linda Willemsen um, on her route to win the Olympic gold <laughs> ITT. Yeah. Um, I said last week that I thought um, UHC would win this, so I'm just saying. Um, Corin Rivera of UHC, United Healthcare, won stage two and stage uh, stage stage one and stage two, and then Lauren Stevens won stage three, and Corin Rivera of UHC took the overall lead. So I, I think, don't know. I'm right. I think to be fair, the whole world was saying UHC would win this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was pretty. Well, you know, it doesn't. It's not obvious. Uh, I mean, also... it was it was the kind of setup where UHC didn't even necessarily need to send a team in order to win. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> um, what else did we have? We had the Omelette van Borselay, which is uh, it has an ITT at the beginning, but the ITT is is one of those things where the ITT isn't UCI ranked. But it has an amazing field and it's real good turnout and it's probably better than a lot of ITTs, better field than ITTs in stage races. Yep. It's it's it was spec it was really, really fast, really, really furious. And I am so excited about the um the competition between uh Lisa Brenauer and Ellen Van Dyke because in the Energy Walk Tour ITT, Van Dyke won and in this one Brenauer won. Cool. So, yeah, so that's uh, Lisa Blanauer of Canyon Stram first, uh, Ellen Van Dyke of Bowles Dolman second, and Chantal Black with a fantastic ITT third. Yeah. This is a 19.9 kilometre one. Annemiek van Vleuten fourth, and Roxanne Knetemann fifth. Wow. Um, and that's like beating time trialists, specialists, Anna van der Breggen sixth, Taylor Wiles seventh, Kat Garth eighth. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, Canyon, we talked about how Bowles, how once we hit the stage racing season, um, although Bowles won Energy Walk Tour, the Emakumin Bira was the start of Bowles not winning absolutely everything. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, we had the Emakumin Bira where they didn't win, um, and it was won by uh, Emma, Emma, Emma Johansson. And we had Flesh of Flesh Wallon won by Rabobank's Anna van der Brega. And this weekend was all about Canyon Shram because uh, Lisa Blanauer won the Omelette van Borselay uh, time trial. And then Barbara Gurdishi won the stage race. Sorry, the day race. Yes, yes. And it made it, they have a really, really good ticker, and it is so frantic. It's like continually changing, continual attack, continual breaks, groups back together, everyone disappearing, and that's a hard, hard, hard race to win. So, um, congratulations to Barbara, um, Barbie. She was first, um, and uh, let's just see who was second and third because that would be a useful thing to say. <laughs> um, second was Flirtia Mackay. Um, congratulations, Flirtia. She's getting nearer and nearer her first 2016 win, and. Christine Mayerus, who in third, Mayerus then went on to Sunday's race, Dwarves Dodders, Westhook, and won it. Yeah. Um, that was Mayerus, second, Eleanor Cicchini, and third, Emma Johansson, out of a group of nine riders. The win was amazing. It was slightly overshadowed by a crash from a then leading Ryan, rider, Mariana Voss. Which. You know, I mean, it is obviously going to overshadow for a whole bunch of reasons, not least Voss was leading and, you know, it's Voss, but also Voss almost never crashes. Um, and so it, it's, I mean, you go back, what is it, three years now where it was uh, stage two of the Giro where she basically teleported like six inches to her left to avoid a grate in the middle of the road. Um, you, you know, like, like she, you, you talk about cat like reflexes. I mean, she's got reflexes that cats wish they had. Um, so yeah, to, to see Mariana go down, I mean, you never want to see a rider crash anyway, but it's, it's just kind of surprising. Um, and it looked 
it, it honestly the video it looks quite nasty a uh, bit of a relief to to hear that there were no fractures just um some bruising um yeah she had she she basically she lost control of the bike and the, the other thing that was a bit dodgy about it is it's got these really scary um barriers where they've got like the support strut is on the yeah, outside yeah it's so the support so you have the barrier but the support strut sticks out and you can see in the photos because obviously it's the finish line it's coming to the finish it comes around the corner she loses control of the back wheel and then it bounces off one of these struts and gets caught between two of these struts you know bangs between yep. two of these struts and that's what takes her down I'm not saying that um, those barriers caused the crash. I'm saying those barriers are fucking lethal and shouldn't have been there because they made the crash so much yeah, worse. Yeah, and it is, it's it's a long been a problem in cycling that those sort of roadside barriers um, have a lot of dangers to them and, and, you know, particularly that type of design. They're just disasters waiting to happen. Yeah, I mean, it looked really bad. And I mean, the thing is, is Voss has come back, has only just come back from a really hard... So I think that's the other reaction, is that whether you want Voss to win or not, the fact that she's come back after such mm. a long, tough, 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 tough journey, you just don't want to see a rider, any rider, come back after a tough, tough, tough year and then crash straight away. That would be yeah. terrible. So I'm, I'm gutted for Maya Roos, who's been such a strong rider for Bowles Dolmans all season. And you know, again, like Mayurus going, oh yeah, well we'll still have a Bulls win this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like and then just like Megan Guarnier did last last weekend. You know, it's like, oh well, you know, we're not going to win the overall, but I'm still we're still going to have a Bulls win. Yeah, we'll we haven't win stopped something. winning yet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, other races was Borsalay ITT Junior race, which is one of the fantastic. Um, I, we talk about it's. It's a shame that it wasn't part of the Nations Cup, but seeing as the Nations Cup was like created about a couple of weeks before the first race happened, um, yeah, not even the first race. Some of the races were put in um, afterwards. But Borsalay is a lovely, gorgeous race. Again, young riders get to ride the same ITT course. Oh, well, they a shorter ITT course, actually, than the elite women. And then they get to ride on the same roads as the elite women do in the stages. So yeah. um, Jess Roberts from Great Britain won the ITT stage one. Then stage two was won by Sarah Van Wijnen, um ahead of uh, Suzanne. She won it. Um, it, was, it was a really exciting um uh, finish because we can see on the ticker Susanna Anderson, this amazing young Norwegian superstar to be of the Scandinavian team, was out. He was out there with I think um, Micah Bugard. Um, sorry if that's wrong. And they were out together. And then Sarah Van Wijnen did this last-minute attack, overhauled them, got in. Anderson, even though there was a, a bunch, a bunch kind of. Uh, sorry, sorry, it was Caroline Swinkle she was out with. Anderson came just you know managed to come three seconds behind swinkle swinkles four, six seconds behind but uh jess roberts was in the bunch six uh, in that bunch six seconds behind and she kept her her lead and then the final stage was all about british cycling young eleanor dickinson ellie ellie dickinson won the stage with jess roberts in second and amber van der Hulst third and jess roberts won the omelette van borsele junior race which is you know it's uh, awesome it's it's yeah. good uh, these are Congrats, races jess I would love to see the Aussie, young Aussie riders, juniors, getting the chance to come over and ride Junior Energy Walk, Junior Omni Van Vorsley, Junior Kentwev and Trofeo da Moreno. I think that would be really, really cool. But, you know, I understand it's a long way and a lot well, of Well, you know, there's, and stuff. there's a possibility that we could create a role for Shane Sutton to, I hear he's looking for work, so... <laughs> 
Um, the other race was the Cairns. Speaking of Australian, um, the <laughs> Cairns Mountain Bike World Cup. Now, I think it's a bit weird because I was looking on the... I know, no one got eaten by a snake. It was really weird. <laughs> on the Tour de Yorkshire start list, two of the young mountain bike talents, um, uh, uh, Evie, Evie Richards, who was the junior under-23 cyclocross world champ, and, um, and Alice Barnes weren't out racing the under 23 mountain cross-country mountain bike in cairns they're racing the road this weekend and i don't understand it um oh really like largest prize pot ever (laughs) it was only the largest prize pot ever for about two weeks it's oh right so it's only the second largest i mean still it's not like the it's not like the amount of money on offer went down Oh, Cairns! It's it's amazing. It's it's really funny because you get like all these parts of the course when you're watching us on TV where they don't show it, and they only allow spectators yeah. in certain areas of the course. And the riders were saying afterwards that from the top of the gate, all they could hear was the crazy fans yelling their heads off at the rock garden. And um, superstar Rachel Atherton said that when she got to the rock garden, the wall of noise was so intense that it made almost made her check. Like it was like. She's like, yep. it's only the fact that, you know, it's only your training that kicks in that keeps you going because it's it's such a shock. You're not expecting it. And Tracy Hanna, whose local girl lives just kilometers from the course, was like, just, it was unbelievable. Like, she had such a good experience riding. Um, but they don't show you, yeah. half, you don't get to see so much of the course because, um, you know, it's in the rainforest and they, they're being careful of the rainforest and also, I guess, snakes and spiders and stinging trees and things and Australians. Um yeah, well, that's what we call the rainforest. <laughs> so gorgeous racing. Um, Rachel Atherton won the downhill. And she's got these really great quotes yep. where she's saying, as she was coming into the finish, she could hear the loudspeaker. And it says, Rachel, seven seconds down, Rachel Atherton. Uh, Rachel Atherton, seven seconds down. And she's like, oh, that's a shame. That's a really good, I wanted, I thought that was a really good run. Oh, well, never mind. Tracy's won. And then she turned around and saw that what they meant was Tracy Atherton was now seven seconds down. <laughs> Sorry, right. So Tracy <laughs> Hannah was now seven seconds down. Now seven seconds down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this, uh, oh, there's this awesome. This, just amazing photos and video out of it though. Oh, um, I love, yeah. I love Rachel Atherton is amazing and she's really, really good at being. She, she does these interviews when she's still panting for breath and full of adrenaline because obviously mountain downhill is a high adrenaline sport. And she's saying, yeah, I really wanted Tracy to win. Like I, it would have been. I know how good it is to feels to win at home, and Tracy's an amazing rider, an amazing athlete. But at the same time, I couldn't not race my hardest because you know Tracy wouldn't want me to, and you know, yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't. You know, Tracy want, would only want to win if she was going up against the best. And and she said, and I do have bills to pay, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's absolutely true. I mean, could you imagine how like you'd be devastated as a rider if you won? And then, you know, someone let slip, oh, yeah, I thought I'd just take it easy on that last section because I really want Tracy to win or whatever. You'd just be like, I want to murder you. I want to murder you so hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. no. She, she also had in the Vital Mountain Bike, in the Vital MTV, they, they put a series of slideshows where they have video, where they have photos and audio clips. And in the audio clip, Sven Martin, who's a really, really good photographer, he does a lot of really good work, but the clip that they used was Sven Martin saying, so, you know, winning's really easy. There's no one else really to touch you, is it? I, I paraphrase, but basically it was on the lines of winning's really easy for you, isn't it? And there, you don't really have enough competition. And Rach just goes absolutely, she's not like yelling at him, but she's really making it clear that she's absolutely not happy. And no, I win because I work bloody hard for this and my rivals are 
really really good and mm. i work really hard i'm just on a lucky i'm on a i'm, I'm working super hard i've got good luck yeah and i'm lucky I, that I'm what not, i'm doing is working you know yeah and i'm not taking that and then he said oh i'm really sorry oh you know and he kind of backtracks and go i was just trying to rile you up and she's like no i just hear this and it just really pisses me off you know yeah yeah seems, I will give Sven Martin credit in that the clip that's in there is a clip of a rider basically telling a journalist to fuck the fuck off, but um, in in polite British um, way. And it's and it's it's but at the same you know it's just like it's it's not right. Yeah, it's yeah. not right to suggest this. Like you can't win for winning. If, well, if, it's it's if like Rach wins. Yeah, it's like every lazy journalist who goes to Lizzie. Oh, yeah, but you just won because Mariana's not here. Or whatever it's. Or, 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 or now who've forgotten Mariana and are now saying, oh, well, you know, Lizzie winning's really easy. Yeah. yeah it's going to be a boring race because Lizzie will just win. Yeah, yeah. And it's like bullshit. She has to fight really hard for those wins. She, they're not, they're yeah. no, no one's handing yeah. her the gold medal before she starts and telling everyone and giving her a five minute head start. Exactly, you know? exactly. And guess what? There's a field in, in, you know, the downhill of, you know, 30 odd riders or whatever, and they're all trying to win. Every single one of them. Yeah. I mean, there is there is a very big discrepancy in talent between the top, even the top 10. Mm. Rider, you know, no number one, rider number 10. There's a massive gap. But that does not mean that Manon Carpenter and Tani Seagrave and and uh, Tr- and Tracy Hanna and, and Manon Bendrell Morgan and, Sharp. Yeah. Uh, that's cross Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah. You, get the, you get the drift. Like, that doesn't mean that they're not... It's just so insulting. And it's... Oh, uh, anyway. Rachel is awesome and handled it really well. And being Rachel, we can see her helmet cam of her run. We can see... And that's amazing for hearing, for seeing the rock garden crowds. Like, mm. just seeing it go between empty, empty, empty. Ah! So, yeah. Um, in the cross-country, Annika Langbad of Specialised uh, won the cross-country ahead of Linda Indigans of, of Switzerland and... Ozzy Beck Henderson in third. Cool. Looked ecstatic to be third. It was hilarious. And um, her Annika Langbad's specialised teammate Kate Courtney, the young young American, was won the under twenty three round. Nice, nice. And tons and tons and tons of video, tons of media. This yeah. is a mountain bike. There's loads. There's amazing photos. There's wonderful videos. There's fantastic riders. All of that's in a post on our blog, ProWomenCycling.com. Cool. Oh, huge week, huge week, and then um, you've got we've got Tour de Yorkshire coming up. Yes, which I'm commentating. Which will be exciting. Yeah, um, I'm doing um, it on Eurosport, so I'm very. <laughs> uh, my thanks to Brian Smith, uh, the Eurosport commentator, who recommended me for the job, and I hope I don't let you all down. Oh my God, I hope I don't let you all down. But if you don't want to watch me, that's absolutely cool because Rochelle Gilmore and Ned Bolting are doing ITV4, and they're awesome. They're fabulous, so I'm not saying watch me. I'm just saying watch the race. Exactly, but you know, for fans playing along at home, what times the race and what times the coverage start? And... So the race starts at eight fifteen in the morning in the UK, which is painful. But the reason it's so early is because it's run on exactly the same course, exactly the same distance, exactly the same day as the men's Tour de Yorkshire Stage Two. So it starts at eight fifteen, which is uh, nine fifteen in Europe, and five fifteen p.m. in Australia, and middle of the night for Americans. Due to finish around midday UK time, TV coverage on Eurosport starts at eight thirty. And for, if you want to watch Rochelle Gilmore and Ned Bolting, they start at ten o'clock over on ITV4. I can't tell you where to find streams if you want to watch it because as i'm sure you can imagine i'm 
I, it's not done. Yeah, yeah, no, no exactly. <laughs> when, you, so, when you're paid by someone. You know, yeah. But anyway, that's quite all right. I mean, I'm sure people will find a way to, to follow along. Um, as we mentioned earlier, it is going to be exciting because even though it was only briefly the the highest uh, prize pot available for a women's bike race, it is still the second largest and it's still a large one. Um, yeah, and, and it's equal prize money to the men. I mean, last year, it was an 80K race. And when I looked at it, on, it's not really the most romantic Yorkshire. If you think of Yorkshire and you think of Ilkley Moor, or you think of the Peak Districts, you know, or you think of the Pen- you know, you think of like Pennines and things like that, it's not that part of Yorkshire. It's coal mine. It goes to a lot of coal mining country. It literally passes like wow. 10 kilometres away from the village that my dad grew up in. My dad grew up in a coal mining village, and yeah, um, and he's a classic... Uh, example of his dad died of coal mine related illnesses when he was a boy but because of education and um you know free education and student grants Mm. you know didn't have to go down the pits himself um going down the pits is very different in england to to australia i am told but i i I hear it's quite a lucrative trade over it was it's not going to be for much longer okay uh, but yeah, no, it, it was definitely a huge industry here. But you know, the difference is that we just dug holes big enough to drive trucks into them. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, the course, it's so it's not that, but it's so much cycling history. So it starts off in Otley, which is where uh, Lizzie Armitstead was born, and there's an amazing Otley GP crits races there, and it goes past Harewood House, where the uh, Grand Depart in Yorkshire was held, um, and then it goes uh, down through. Tick Hill, where there's the Tick Hill Grand Prix, which is a great race every year, and it goes through Haworth, which is where Tom Simpson, the kind of legendary British road world champion, British, um, oh, what's he a road world champion? That's an interesting thing, um, and uh, you know, uh, winner of Flanders, um, he died on month end two in in this in the in the 60s of performance enhancing drugs, and mm. yeah, he's uh, he was. Yeah, so it goes it goes literally through the village, the mining village he grew up in, and then it goes to, uh, um, and then it, and then it goes back and finishes in Doncaster. Right now, the the thing that people might want to look at is uh, that the finish line. It has a really it hasn't got a big number of teams because. There's at the moment Gracia Olovar, which started yesterday, and Amelia Alina Amialusic won it with Eleanor Chikini yep. in second. Today, the GPLC Jakob starts. The Women's Tour de Yorkshire came onto the calendar late, very, very, very late. So, But it does have Lizzie Armitstead and in her return to the peloton, Emma Pooley racing for Team GB. Uh, it has Flirty Mackay and Leah Kirchman for Live Planter. It's got uh, Mayuko Hagiwara and Lucy Garner and Danny King riding for Wiggle. And it also has, it's got a very, very long, straight, flat finish, which is fantastic for Kirsten Veald, who's <laughs> there. So the way that the race is going to have to be run is basically... Um, yeah, everyone's going to be trying to drop Lizzie. Oh, that'll be fun. And then they're also going to be trying to stop Lizzie and Veal getting into breakaways and definitely not let it come to a bunch sprint. So yeah, yeah. good luck with that. Um, wow. Yes, that's going to be very interesting then. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so it's and it's great. It's a mad weekend of cycling. There's going to be so much racing and it's it's awesome. 
Um, more things I just want to quickly give a shout out to. Um, Isabel Clement, who's a director for Wheels for Wellbeing, a disabled cycling charity, advocacy and support charity. She's got a really good article in The Guardian about disabled people and bike lanes. There's a lot of people will say, oh, well, bike lanes are a terrible thing because disabled people, um, it, it messes up disabled people because disabled people drive. And she's got, she's got a great piece about how, no, it doesn't actually, you know, the same, almost the same proportion of disabled people cycle as able-bodied people. Right. And cycling for disabled people can be easier than driving and better for driving. If you talk, if once you bring in things like tricycles and hand cycles yeah, and things yeah. like that and, and tandems, if we have a better way of better cycling infrastructure, more disabled people can cycle and it's better for their health and it's better for them socially and it enables them to get out and be independent. So that's a lovely, lovely piece. And it's especially redolent in London. It's about London, the mayoral election. Um, anyway, read it. It's great. Um, oh, my really lovely, a good friend, Emily Chapel, new friend, friend, internet friend, Emily Chapel. Uh, you may remember she has that great book um, about being a bike courier in london yeah she ha is part of this new thing called the adventure syndicate oh yes yes i remember hearing about this it sounds pretty it's, amazing it's a group of fantastic women who have awesome bike adventures like mountain bike and road and 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 you know riding the transcontinental just do who do incredible things on bikes and they've come together as a syndicate with an aim of inspiring other people and like basically being awesome. Yeah, yeah, which is great. And one thing I particularly liked about it was that um, she's got great comments about um, realising that um, it was important to show vulnerability and even failures and things as well as part of the journey because, you know, it's not motivating or encouraging to people at all to just have, you know, super fit athletes succeeding at everything they do. Um, kind of thing, you know. You've you've got to show that um, struggle and and all of that sort of stuff as well if you want to to do that. And that being a core part of what they're trying to achieve, while having amazing adventures. I mean, awesome. Yeah, and she also talks about how she wasn't. She can't pinpoint. You know, you can't pimp. You sometimes you think, oh well, you know, someone. It's not that someone reads my blog and then she goes and um, you know, goes and gets on the bike. Like like you have to. Like in, the thing about wanting to inspire and enable and, and to get other people to look at it and to go, this is this is something I could do too. It mm. takes time. And anyway, I really like the project, uh, the Adventure Syndicate. Check them out. They're um, they're 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 great. Um, yeah, I think I think. Oh, and if you're interested, thank you. I want to say thank you to all my Patreon supporters who, you know, I'm funded by you guys and because of your funding i've done work you know done lots and lots of things that i wouldn't have done i wouldn't have written this british cycling thing i wouldn't i would have given up i would yeah. not have done it without your support and um i was on the patreon podcast uh, a, a couple of weeks ago where i talk about um what it meant you know what how, how patreon how i use social media and technology to kind of build my audience mm. but also what patreon has meant to me and how i use it and what 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 i did so if you want to listen to that then then please do click through and see it it's it's you know it's something that i i had a really great time talking to um talk uh, talk, talk talking to talking to the guy who who ran it who i've just forgotten his name that's terrible i want to say john morales <laughs> john morales um but yeah it's it, i i really enjoyed doing it so if you want to listen to that you can click on that 
and yeah and thank you awesome yes and of course if you are um able to contribute to sarah's patreon you can go to patreon.com forward slash women's cycling and um and for just a couple of pounds a month um become immediately more attractive to your preferred genders Uh, and the other thing i really 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 want you to do dear people even more than that is um the be a game changer awards the voting closes tomorrow on friday basically the first of may is when the voting closes um, please, 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 if you haven't done it already or if you're on a different computer, go to the Be A Game Changer Awards from the Women's Sports Trust. I particularly would like you to vote for the Women's Tour. Um, I'd like you to vote for the Seal Skins Great Ad featuring um, Trahane Chidley. I'd love you to vote for Helen Wyman and I'd love you to vote for Heather Bamforth. And I can't remember what else I'd love you to vote for, but, you know, obviously Just, take your pick. And yeah, you vote. But, vote. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so, because it's awesome, and, um, yeah, it's, yeah, cool. I, 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 I think it would be, uh, it's, it's a good thing, but please do it, because time is running out. Indeed, indeed, time is running out, so, you know, hurry up and vote. Um, yes! <laughs> well, thank you for listening to us, dear listener. Next week, it'll be Dan and I sitting in the same room, um, talking about all the racing that's happened. I'll tell you, if you want to know, I'll tell you about riding, about being doing doing actual real life TV commentary. So if you've got any questions about that, you can hit us up on at underscore pigeons underscore is me. Dan is at Dan W official. Our website is prowomenscycling.com. And yeah, thanks yeah. for joining us. Uh, look forward to being with you next week and you can hear the, the literal slapstick comedy of Sarah and I slapping each other out of the way of the microphone. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, Take care and have a great weekend of racing. Bye.